0: You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan.
1: Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podcast. to the outside.
0: Saquon Barkley across midfield, down the sideline, stayed in bounds, and Barkley takes it all the way. 68 yards for his first NFL touchdown. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host of Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan.
1: Oh Grump, I missed you. We haven't talked to you for so
0: long. Ages. God. Really. Seems like forever. <laughs> <laughs> Today we're going to roll over our uh the defensive line. Um in our position review that is ongoing and coming to a close. As we uh we finish this up. There will only be one more spot left, and that's the interior offensive line. That'll be next week, and uh, and then it's really just draft talk from then on. It really becomes just, who do we think it's going to be, and why do we think it's going to be them? So it really is down to the wire now, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I I've really enjoyed this, uh, you know, discussions we have each week. It gives everybody a good reset of where we are in the position group, you know, what we've lost since last season, who we picked up through free agency, who are – main targets would be you know and you know the needs we have for each one and who the possibilities are so this has been pretty good
0: yeah i agree um you know this week we're going to a um a group that i think is overlooked by a lot of giants fans and understandably why uh is because uh this is probably the one spot where you could say that the giants might have an advantage Um, over most other teams is their defensive line rotation. Um, They've done a good job drafting here. They've done a good job acquiring veterans here. And um, they have a pretty stout defensive line. I mean, personally, I'm not worried a whole lot about this group. Nevertheless, it bears some digging. Let's, let's, before we kind of dig
1: really deep, let's kind of talk about the elephant in the room. Uh, Leonard Williams Okay uh, As we stand right now And we're recording this on a Monday In in, uh, April After free agency before the draft How are you feeling About that acquisition to this Point based on what we gave Up what you've seen so far What we kind of are on the hook for Now and what the potential is So you feel has your opinion Changed about the trade at uh, this moment that it was at the time of the trade
0: well Leonard Williams trade itself was not one of my favorite moves um you know they they gave away a third round pick and then a i believe it now is official a fifth round pick in 2021 because he was not signed to a long term deal before the start of the 2020 season um for a guy who was on a contract year so they have now since Uh, franchise tagged him, which makes him our highest paid player at $17 million for cap hit. Um, There is still time to work this out though. He could be signed to a long-term deal now for a much lower cap hit over the course of a couple years. He's very young. I think he's 25 maybe?
1: Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: I mean, this is at this current moment I'm not thrilled about the way we obtained a very good player that i like um but it can still change we're not at a finite position right now so i'm not thrilled about it i like the fact that he's on the team i liked him coming out of usc uh but what we had to give up to get there was not um i I don't know advisable i guess to me, it's it's still a complete to be determined work in
1: process. I mean, mm-hmm. it all de- mm-hmm. it all going to depend on a. Well, three things: a, can we get a long term contract signed with him? B, how fast can we do it? And C, you know, actually, there's only two of them. Well, I'm I getting mean, very. Like, okay, I guess very C tired is right. like
0: does does the the contract- how well does he play once he once he is exactly up. if we if we sign him yeah. for four years. By 29, is he still an impact player? Did the contract live up to him? You know, his his uh, production,
1: or Um, is he, or is he virtual? You know, dead cap space, or real dead cap space at that point too. Right.
0: Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm completely with you. It's it's impossible to grade at this point. This trade, I don't think, was meant to have him play 20, a couple games in 2019 and then one 2020 season on a franchise tag I believe there is one more piece to this puzzle that we haven't seen yet and that could change everything it could be a terrible long term contract that he signs it could be a very team friendly one who knows so there's a lot of things still at play here so I can't give a, a, a perfect grade for it yet a, a um, perfect analysis for that grade yet
1: I think if if Dave Gettleman was not our GM and he was such a polarizing guy that he was, I don't think people would be so annoyed about it the ones that are anti-Gettleman. Right. I think if this was a David resigning or a trade 4 years ago, I think it's one of those it raises an eyebrow but it's just kind of like okay. Uh, but I just think that you know it's the same like with politics when you're you know, when you have a politician where the other side doesn't like him, they are going to, you know, start picking nits with every move and think it's the end of the world. Everything that's said or done, and I think this is falling into that a little bit. Where, you know, people just don't like Dave Gentlemen. They just, you know, this is, this is one of those aha. This is this is going to be his Waterloo, this one trade, which, again, as we've said on this show many Wait, times... His,
0: his Waterloo?
1: Man, don't you know your history? I, isn't it Watergate? Isn't that the Water, phrase? Hey, jackass, get your world history. I, I know, but that's not
0: what the phrase comes from. The his, phrase is, this is his Watergate. Wrong, it's not. Oh, come on.
1: All right, go to the Google machine, guys. When someone meets his Waterloo...
0: I know. Yes, I know you're talking about Napoleon. <laughs> I'm just saying, I've always heard the phrase as "this is his Watergate," but okay, okay. sorry, I, go did, ahead. Go ahead.
1: Google search. I typed in "that was his water," and the first thing that popped up it was his Waterloo.
0: Okay. All right. Fair. I've literally <laughs> never heard that. I I know what you're referencing. I'm not that much of a dolt.
1: <laughs> fan one, football grump nothing well anyway i mean i my point is however after we god we are really in quarantine aren't we for a long time <laughs> uh if anybody who is who was sticking with us i'm sure is long gone but, yeah uh no I, mean, I think this is one of those things where people are just jumping to is like this is the you know this is the perfect example why they don't like him and don't want him to be the gm and yeah, i think it's way 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 too early to grade you know good or bad so just like this team with the rebuild, you have to wait to see the results. Same with this.
0: OK, so I know that we can't just eject the money out of the equation when grading this, and that that's fine. But when you look at this from a coach's standpoint and not a team standpoint, just a coach's standpoint, the addition of Leonard Williams really makes this team… Better. F- yeah, yeah, I mean th- th- <laughs> this, is, this is a… Um, this is the starting line for the defensive line, the, 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 the starting three. Um, you have Dexter Lawrence, who is a, a phenomenal first-round pick, can play all over the defensive line, playing at defensive end. You have Leonard Williams at the other defensive end, and you have Dalvin Tomlinson in the middle. That is a very strong group of three right there. And then behind that, you have B.J. Hill, who had a phenomenal first year and a pretty good second year. Um, they went out in free agency and acquired Austin Johnson, who is a, a, a great run stuffer. He's not very flashy, statistics-wise, but, you know, just a, a big, big body in the middle, um, essentially to back up Dalvin Tomlinson, to give him a spell. RJ McIntosh, who I, I still think is a very good player who hasn't needed to get his time in there. Um, And then, you know, behind that, they still have guys like Chris Slayton, who's another big body in the middle, Chris Peace and Kevin Wilkins. This is a strong group with a lot of rotation. However, why are we wasting our time talking about this? Because it's not a waste of time. Because currently, Leonard Williams is on a franchise tag. We have no idea if he will be playing here in 2021. And on top of that, Dalvin Tomlinson is in his contract year. We have no idea if we will be able to afford him or want to keep him for 2021. So that is now two spots as of this date in uh very early April that we need to groom for the future. Right.
1: And our history, I mean, even going back before Gettleman, is that we tend to let defensive tackles walk yes. as opposed to spending big money to retain. You know, the list, you know, you can go back, last 10 years or so it's been three or four guys that you know we just don't spend the big money on
0: going backwards in order Jonathan Hankins before that Linville Joseph and before that was um, Barry Cofield
1: right right that's absolutely right yeah
0: so I mean, and, and all three of those were great players. The best is definitely Linville Joseph, a phenomenal defensive tackle. He's stayed phenomenal with Minnesota um, mm-hmm. on his on his second contract. So I mean, these are not guys that we want to let walk. We just know our ten. You know, when these guys, a defensive tackle, you know that that interior position, when they really perform, they are usually. There's usually only one or two of them on the market at a time, and so they get a very large contract, and it's almost impossible to keep them. And
1: Grandpa, I want you to keep something in mind, you know, in the back of your mind right now, and it kind of goes into our discussion we had earlier in the week about what is the impact of – will it be a full schedule or not? If for some reason this schedule is truncated, they have to play with empty stadiums,
0: that's going to impact
1: the cap next year.
0: It's going to definitely will, yeah. In so, fact, I think the cap is already affected.
1: But yeah, but my point is though, where if, you know if you're thinking, well, if we have to have enough to you know re-sign some guys and worry about this and worry about that. Well, guess what? If that cap is, and I'm not talking about a couple million dollars. If this is a significant hit, you know, it makes it even more impossible to potentially, you know, keep uh, you know a defensive tackle or something. So. To your point as you kick this off, grooming that next generation of, of, of defensive linemen is that much more important.
0: I think it's important kind of anyway, but yeah, I, I, I think you're right. Um, I think the, the funny joke going around on Twitter now is uh, that Dave Gettleman loves his defensive linemen. He has a a long history of drafting them early and drafting them well, I should say. He has never really picked a defensive lineman that wasn't good. You know, even, even guys like Coney Ealy – who um you know kind of fell out of you know the casual football fans uh vernacular um probably would have gotten been in in order for an NFL MVP had Carolina beaten Denver in uh, sorry not NFL MVP Super Bowl MVP had they won the Super Bowl I mean he was he was just tearing Denver apart um but, I mean, Kawan Short is the number one guy that we think of, right? Kawan Short, and then you have Dexter Lawrence right Right behind that. Um, he knows his defensive linemen. So the joke is that he's going to take Derek Brown at four, even though we have such a stout defensive line, and we took a defensive tackle last year and the year before and, you know, whatever.
1: Well, the thing is, you know, Grubb, next to left tackle, it's one of the most expensive positions to replace. I mean, so there is a... There's a value and even if you don't necessarily need it as need number one to do that. The question is, we have so many needs on this team, does he do that again?
0: Right. And I, I think it's kind of silly. I don't think there's a, a real chance that Derek Brown is taken unless, unless, unless uh a trade down scenario happens and um you know <laughs> offensive tackle's off the board and so is Isaiah Simmons. And then the best guy on the board is Derek Brown. I think there's a chance, yeah, but only in that situation. I think it comes down to if those needs are off the board at that point, then okay. Um, and again, like,
1: and we like we've been saying is kind of our growing theme for this is whatever happened before there was specific reasons why it happened, not just because he loves to pick, you know, specific position or or specific guys. And this might be one of those things where the, the situation dictates who he picks.
0: Right, right, um having said that, you've watched Derek Brown in person or no,
1: for I saw him in person this year, and he was he's an absolute beast,
0: yeah, well, he had a big game against Florida this year,
1: yeah, yeah, he's had a big game against everybody this year, yeah, uh you know, not maybe a little bit I'd say a a poor man's version of Warren
0: Sapp maybe. I mean, even even if you say that, that is still a high compliment.
1: Yeah, I would say that. Like not the not the generational talent of a Warren Sapp, but kind of reminded me a little bit of him. Just you know, always around the ball, mm-hmm. always. And whether that ball is in the quarterback's hands or a running back or wherever, always around it. Impossible to handle with just one guy.
0: Oh yeah, you know? at least and, in college uh, for sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, if, if, the, if the trigger is pulled for Derek Brown at four or down at seven or eight, if we trade down or something, you know, he's a beast. And if you put him in this rotation we have now, you know, where these guys may be a little fresher, you,
0: you have something
1: there. You know, this, the identity of this team will be built on his defensive line.
0: Sure. Yeah. And, I, and it makes guys like Dalvin Tomlinson totally expendable. I, I can describe Derek Brown very easily in two words. He's a fucking animal. I mean, that that is literally. I mean, you watch him. One of my favorite plays is he's running onto the field late, and the play goes right to. He just annihilated a running back on a screen out to the flat. I mean, he is literally always around the ball. I mean, I I know you don't want to relive it, but against Florida, he had two fumble recoveries. One of which he sure. had a strip sack on it.
1: The game would have been a blowout if it wasn't for the uh, you know the turnovers and things. So yeah.
0: Um, I, I know that there there's a very real chance of a riot if Derek Brown is picked by the Giants in the first round this year. Um, I, I cannot complain about his skill set, though. I mean, I think immediately he might force somebody like Dalvin Tomlinson to the bench. Um, if not immediately, then by the end of the year, I think he'd be getting more reps than Dalvin Tomlinson. Just because he is so much more well-rounded for pass rush and for... Um, Run stuffing. I mean, he is just—he's just an animal. And I would say, I would say he's better than Quinn and Williams that came out last year because, you know, from what I've seen, they're very similar. I think it's close, but Quinn and Williams played on a team with just a better team. I mean, Auburn had a a fantastic defensive line this year. They've got a, a linebacker I really like, maybe a corner here and there, but overall, Alabama is Alabama every year, um, and those guys are always surrounded with talent. Um, I think that Derek Brown was the guy who made Auburn better. I think he made the the guys around him better, not the other way around. Right, right. I agree. I, I guess
1: you know, we, just to do our due diligence, we should probably, you know, give a word or two about Chase Young. Sure. I mean, I mean, I mean there's we we. I would say, if I was going to Vegas, I'd put my money on the fact he'll be gone by the time we pick, but you don't know what happens in these drafts, especially well, at four i think so, there's a,
0: there's a real chance that he could fall for there is
1: well, I, I, there's a you know who knows who trades up, who know it depends on what these teams and their interest and desire to draft a quarterback or the guy on their board they really want mm-hmm. and he might just be a victim of circumstance by these teams you know getting aggressive and you know panicking
0: or something and you know. Well, I mean, come on. It's it's not it's not completely unfathomable for a team for, – for Cincinnati to – I mean this is very premature for us to talk like this. But for, for Cincinnati to go Joe Burrow, a team to trade up to two for a quarterback, leaving Detroit in a situation where do they want to get a corner in Jeff Okuda or get the pass rusher in Chase Young? There's a very real chance that they would take Okuda and leave Chase Young to fall to four. It could happen. It's
1: not it's that, not otherworldly. I mean that would be a very Detroit thing to do. That'd be I, I, I would think that would be crazy.
0: I, I mean I do too. I'm just saying
1: That's I would Matt I would agree with you if I were Matt.
0: going to Vegas with money, I'm not saying we're walking away with Chase Young at four. But right. I, I wouldn't be super confident with that pick. I wouldn't walk away with a big smile on my face like I just cheated the system. Definitely not.
1: Let me ask you a question. Would you trade up a spot to get him?
0: I wouldn't no. I like him a lot. I think he's a really good player, but I'm I'm not big at trading up in the very top of the first round unless it's for a quarterback you know right. when you when you when you trade in from the the second round into the late first or or if you're in the middle of the first to trade up for a guy who's falling for no reason you want to make sure you get him those are all different circumstances we can talk about but when you're early in the top 5 I'm not a big fan of trading up any further unless it's for a quarterback that you know isn't going to make it if you're trading up to 2 for a Carson Wentz or something like that that is totally explicable in my opinion it makes sense it's rational you know you, you got you make sure that's your guy You're not just trading him because he's a quarterback and he's the second best, but that that I get. When you're already in the top five now, you sit, Pat. You wait for trade offers to come to you.
1: I agree, and I think it's very simple for me is that this team has a lot of holes. This is a very bad football team still, and I think the incremental difference of Chase Young over who else you can get it for is not great enough to me to offset the fact that you know there's going to be a cost to go from four to three. And it might be a third-round pick, could be a you know a second-round pick, could be a fifth-round pick. This team needs those picks badly to build this core, still. And again, I don't think that incremental difference of Chase Young over the next guy is that much greater to offset
0: that. So I would not trade up. Yeah, I'm I'm totally with you. Um, but 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 get piggybacking off of what we're doing here and, and understand just. Play along, you know we have Austin Johnson. Like I said, w- was a free agent move that the that Dave Gettleman made to solidify that run stuff for that big body guy in the middle. But again, he's on a one year deal. Dalvin Tomlinson's on, on on the last year of his contract, and currently Leonard Williams is on the last year of his contract. So this is a position that warrants going over. So uh, another SEC guy that I think is worth talking about is Javon Kinlaw. Um, I think in a normal Draft. I would. I. I would think that he would be the best defensive tackle in the draft. I really. I, his quick step off the ball is really amazing. It's almost like he knows the play. He knows what gap to shoot and when the the snap count is going to happen. It really is crazy to watch.
1: So where are you projecting him? Is he
0: a first round?
1: I high first round pick or is he? Uh. A...
0: I, I. I think he's top fifteen pick. Yeah, for sure and i think usually for defensive tackles that's usually as high as they go is top 15 um it it is crazy i mean did you see javon kinlaw at all in person at south carolina or no uh
1: i did not in person we uh, we played them in south carolina this year and i watched on tv
0: um he he is he's definitely an animal as well i i did hear that there's some character concerns about him but another guy to keep in in, in mind uh he would be that interior pass rusher. I do think he's better as a pass rusher than he is um, a run stuffer. He's closer to your Aaron Donald style pass rusher, where he's just got that that unnatural quickness to him for the position.
1: So he's a potential target you would look at if we trade it down.
0: I would say so. Yeah, if if we trade it down and, and you know certain tackles are off the board or whatever. I mean, he's a guy that you know he may not contribute right away this year. In a in a full time sense, but if Dalvin Tomlinson leaves next year, you have a guy ready to step right in that's already starting caliber, um, and and would provide, in my opinion, a better pass rush than any of the interior guys that we have now, and that's important pushing that pocket in the middle. So um, yeah, I would I would say Javon Kinlaw is a guy to keep in mind if a trade down does happen, and we've already dispelled the notion, right? Dave Gettleman hasn't traded down ever, so he won't kind of thing that's just silliness
1: we don't know what the situation was then and we don't know what the situation will be you know i mean there may be a trade that happens above us that causes us to decide to trade down i mean everything is so fluid it's not you know that's why making these predictions like oh we got to get this guy and we don't know let's see what the board is like when we are actually picking it for and see if that happens or not
0: for the most part i would say for this position. What we're looking at is somebody later on in the draft. And I've narrowed it down to four guys that I think are guys that won't contribute this year but has a potential to replace Dalvin Tomlinson or Leonard Williams. I think one of those guys is going to stay. I think it's probably going to be Williams. Um, and Tomlinson will probably end up departing at the end of this year. But somebody who will replace that. And and I've narrowed them down to four. Uh, the first one is Jason Strobage from UNC. He was part of a defense statistically he didn't do very well, but if you watched him, he was kind of the most talented guy and he garnered the most attention. He came from a defense that ran a very complicated blitz package. Um, so he's used to complicated defenses, a lot of terminology, I'm sure. I think that despite all that, he still shows some really good ability and interior quickness. And I think he has the most advanced repertoire of pass rush moves of the four guys I'm going to talk about. Um, Ultimately, I think the main thing he can clean up is some technique issues where he can get too upright sometimes. Um, What what, what round are we talking like? We're talking probably rounds three to five for these guys. It's hard to tell with defensive tackles. It's one of those positions where when there's a run on them, guys start going, and you're like, why the hell? Okay, Um, But But most
1: most realistic chance they'll be be around somewhere – Round four, I would think, yeah. I would say
0: day three probably could sneak into day two, but probably not very high. Um, Another guy is part of that front Auburn that that, that Auburn had, uh, Nick Coe. Nick Coe, to me, looks almost like Justin Tuck, but like he doesn't know what he's doing. Just body size and makeup, he looks like... Justin Tuck. He, he's a big, long guy. He's he's got a really good frame and he's really muscular. But he just he's coming out very early. I don't I don't think he should be. Um, but he just he just looks raw. He has all the tools and he's just kind of rushing a little too high. He doesn't have a whole lot of pass rush moves. But he's a guy that you can spend a whole year with in an NFL system. He's really young, so you can still mold him, and he can be part of a defensive end. And you can move Dexter Lawrence into the middle. And have, you know, Williams and him on the ends.
1: Do you think off-seasons like this hurt a guy like him who they just don't want to deal with because they may not be able to, you know, have the chance to properly develop a guy like him?
0: Off-seasons. What do you mean by off-seasons? Like right now leading up to the draft? I mean
1: uh, from now until whenever they actually have football where, you know, you have very probably limited access to a guy like him. That could really – if you really stunt a guy's growth.
0: From – from, the, well, it's, yeah, it's of course. Talking
1: about you know, more looks good, you know, looks good on the combine, is a project type guy.
0: Like, I think of course it's going to affect him but I mean ultimately, thankfully what we're talking about in this particular situation is that they won't have to play much this year at all. I mean they can get in there and get in some reps but they are not expected to start and shoulder a heavy load to to answer your question more generally absolutely i think it hurts them i mean I, a lot of these guys they need every bit of coaching they can get um they, and we're talking about these raw developmental guys that have the skill set the, uh, the 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 body type and you know all that they just haven't had the coaching or maybe they haven't had the experience some of these guys walk on in college and they're like how the hell did you not play in high school you know mm-hmm. so right Uh, they're they're coming in completely fresh and they haven't fully developed into a uh, like mentally they haven't fully developed Um, so absolutely yeah I think that affects them gotcha there's two other guys Um, they're both SEC guys as well Jordan Elliott from Mizzou Um, another guy with a lot of raw talent with with good tools and, and quickness I think that he he has a decent pass rusher repertoire. i I think over time the most he'll ever be is a a solid rotational pass rusher, which is still fine you know you you build a team with a bunch of rotational guys and you rotate them and they're all fresh and uh you know that two thousand seven uh giant's front was not built off of all first round picks you know you you had your justin tuck and your michael Strahan and your o c human your, uh, and every other guy that kept them fresh was just somewhere in between, you know. So guys like this are important.
1: Exactly, you need glue guys. This is a this is a position where you need to keep bodies fresh, and that's it. You know, that's that's just as important, almost as the skill set that they have.
0: And then the last one is Rashard Lawrence from LSU. Uh, he's kind of interesting to me. I mean, he's almost exclusively from like a three technique inside to a zero technique only because he's kind of short he doesn't have the length that you'd really want for you know a a three four front kind of guy he's stout though i mean he's only six two but he has a lot of weight to him i think he's over 300 pounds and if you watch him he hasn't really even developed a whole lot of hand fighting technique or, or anything like that he just has great interior quickness and just brute strength. I mean, you watch him, he always, it's just a bull rush and he just pushes linemen into the pocket. He is very strong. Um, And I think with some NFL coaching and being around other players that are more experienced and, and, you know, have figured out ways, he can be a um, part of that, you know, rotation, pushing the pocket with some fresh legs. Legs. What did I say? Wings? Wings, yeah, in the pocket <laughs> with some fresh legs, going off my chicken parts here because I'm hungry. Jeez, but I mean, though, I mean, of course, he also came from a uh, national championship team, so you know he's going to be one of the later ones. I, I put these in order from where I thought they were going to go in the draft, so he might go much. He might be we were looking at day three for sure, round five probably.
1: Yeah, that, that LSU defense. Was not the reason won the national championship either. It was a, no. a little leaky. He wasn't the greatest. They've had better pass rushes in in the past. They've had better, you know, rush defenses in the past. But you know, you're right. He might get a little extra uh, love because he was a, um, you know, part of a national championship team.
0: Sure. And ultimately, your film looks better. Other people free you up. You get one on one matchups and you win them. You know. Mm-hmm. But I mean that's really where I think that this – you know, like I said, we, we, we could be looking at a Derek Brown or um, a Javon Kin- Kinlaw situation, but I think that's really far-fetched. I think it's really unlikely. These are the four guys I really think could end up on this team as a defensive end or a, or a defensive tackle um, depending on the guy. And we're looking more late day two into day three situation.
1: Yeah, I would be I would not be surprised at all if we do get one for sure cuz for the exact reasons you said. Yeah. I mean this is we are this rebuild is not for immediate needs but also for the long longer term roster balancing of what is needed.
0: So Yeah. Yeah, and, and Dave Gettleman understands that and he, he's not going to be he he is willing to pay young talent. I just don't think he's going to be willing to throw down the money necessary to keep a guy like Dalvin Tomlinson especially if he has an outstanding year this year, which he could have. Agreed. Yeah. But with that, that's going to do it for a defensive line episode. Um so next week is our last week doing position reviews and that's going to be the interior O-line guys, the guards and centers of the of the draft and free agency. So um Another
1: high-profile position that we need to talk about and address because it's uh, vital to the development of our quarterback and our offense going forward.
0: Absolutely, yeah. So in the meantime, be sure to follow me on Twitter. I'm at am MattFootball underscore Grump, where I can talk more in-depth about these defensive tackles if you would like or about anything else.
1: Catch me as always at The Cranky Fan, where I'm talking about everything I'm trying to – Pass the time as we all sit in isolation and uh, quarantine as we're getting all through this together. So uh, just hang in there, everybody.
0: Yep. And as always, the show can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play. You name it, it's there. Subscribe there for free and get all these episodes first thing in the morning when you wake up. And um, I guess while you log on to work from home or if you're just cleaning around the house because you're uh, not working right now.
1: Yeah, let's uh let's not be driving around to work. Let's be working from home and being smart. So but uh we have a lot of episodes. If you want to go back in history and hear how wrong we were with all our predictions, sure go that's for a it. Fun exercise. We, yeah, exactly. Uh let's not go back to those two thousand nineteen pre- season predictions. So hmm. we will be doing that, you know, once we know
0: that there's, once a, there's a schedule
1: that comes <laughs> out. Yeah, if there is a season to start, but uh yeah. We we will be here all off season with you guys, even if we have nothing to report about, we will talk about
0: something. Yeah. And as always, the show can be found on Twitter as well at just giants pod. All right, everyone. Go Giants. Go Giants.